Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let's go back to the future and look ahead real quick because there's already a bunch of main events BT lined up for 2022. We've already talked about Gan and Ganu, so we'll swing back around to that one. We've also hit up the Lewis and Tai Tuivasa fight. We'll talk about that momentarily as well. Let's start with Izzy and Robert Whitaker. The official odds are out. You can get Izzy at minus 240, no big surprise there. And you can get Robert Whitaker at plus 194. You've been saying you think Bobby Knuckles wins this fight. Now you got the odds at two to one. Why do you think that he's the guy to beat Adesanya at this weight class, which nobody else has done? Yeah, I mean, listen, Adesanya is good. We talked to, you know, like Bond last hour, and he's saying, like, look, he thinks he's perfect for the division. I don't really, you know, I, I it's hard to argue, but I do really believe in the uh, in the in the talent of Robert Whitaker. And I do think that he's a very smart fighter and he's very smart. He's very smart striker. I think that if anybody has kind of the ring IQ when it comes to the hands and feet, like he's the only guy I really see in that division who could come back and beat on He's been to the top. So like, I just think for him, like this is a guy who has been the reigning champ before. Yeah. Adesanya, he dusted him up the last time, but you know, he, we have seen a little bit of vulnerability. Maybe Whitaker saw something, even if it was at a different weight class that he likes that he can expose. Um, and I do like his chances to, to to come and improve on this one. I think, like, if you're going to give me the value at a guy who is a really good middleweight champion, uh, I, I, I like I like Robert Whitaker on that night for sure. And if he wins, we get the trilogy, so that'd be great for us as fans. The problem they're going to run into is this. You talk about Robert Whitaker being a great striker. No question about it. I actually think he has to take this to the mat to have any sort of success. The issue is that when it comes to striking, Izzy might be the best in the promotion, might be the best striker in the world, period, right now. So if we're talking about what each guy does well, Izzy, to me, is just the better striker. Yeah, I think that there's there's definitely got to be a level of Robert that's willing to risk something. Like, I don't think he could sit there in the pocket and let Izzy just tee off on him all day. He's probably going to have to go into some danger to, you know, make an impression on Adesanya, make him a little bit more hesitant. That certainly is going to have to happen and probably be established early if he has any kind of a chance. A week after that, you got the uh, Rafael Dos Anjos taking on. How do you say this dude's last name? Fazayev? Yeah. Faz- I could. Is that it? Because he's coming in right now at a minus 162. I should probably learn how to pronounce it. Yeah, Fazeev. Because I keep mispronouncing it, and it feels like he's one of the guys that the UFC is trying to push. He's coming in as a favorite at minus 162. Fazeev taking on Rafael Dos Anjos at a plus 136. It feels like everybody's tried to bury Dos Anjos for, well, since he didn't fight Conor McGregor five years ago, and all he's done basically is a one, and here he is again. If I can get Dos Anjos a plus money, I'm taking it. Yeah, but Fazeev is on a, on a on a big win streak right now. I do think that there's a little element people think of Dos Anjos as 
is he at like gatekeeper level? You know, he's kind of the guy that you you take out and then that shows that you're championship ready. That's kind of what they're doing here. We saw this a little bit last week with, you know, or a couple of weeks ago with uh, with Derek Lewis and Dawkins. So it's always an interesting thing. Like you have the 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 guy they are trying to build up to say, hey, are you ready? Are you really, you know, we're giving you a main event. They are trying to put him out there like that. Um, so I, I get it. Like he's, his, his skills are real, uh, but he doesn't have, he doesn't have the resume of Dos Anjos. It's just that, you know, is Dos Anjos weathered? Is he a little bit past his prime? Start, I mean, dude, he's like, what is he 38 by now? So yeah, he is getting up there. Yeah, he's getting up there, but still, if I can get him a plus money, I'll take him. Speaking of the plus money, you can get Benil Daryush the week after that. So on February 26th, Benil Daryush taking on Islam Makachev. Now I said earlier, talking about, uh, Fazaev, or however I'm supposed to say it, that he's the guy, one of probably the top 10 guys the UFC's pushing. I'd put Islam in the top three when it comes to that. Yeah. That's who they want to eventually have the belt sooner rather than later. He's a huge favorite in this fight at minus 330. Why is Makachev that big of a favorite against a guy of Benil Daryush that I literally can't remember the last time he lost a fight? And he's knocking people out at that, and we know he can beat you on the ground too. Like I think Benil Daryush is great and maybe the most underrated fighter in the UFC right now. I understand why he's an underdog. Why is he a plus 260? That's that's, that's too big. I got to be honest with you, man. When we got the when we got these numbers, when Jake sent us over the rundown today, and I saw that, I was shocked by that too. I was like, okay. wait, really? And I'm with you. Now, and I think Makachev's going to win, but I, I got to think that's like, is that like a Habib thing? Like, is that like a rub of, oh, they, everybody thinks he's the next guy? And... You know, I, I got to think that's what that is uh, because I don't I, I see the two guys skill sets where they're at in their careers right now. I do see it as much more even. I don't understand why those numbers are so lopsided, to be honest with you. And their rankings like they're right next to each other, three and four in the rankings. So I'm not exactly sure why that is. I think it's because of what I was talking about a couple of minutes ago, which is the UFC has a handful of guys that they want to push to be the next. And if you have any sort of ties to Khabib, that certainly helps yep. out. And, 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 and Islam's great. I mean, honestly, if you're putting your money down, are you willing to take the underdog? If you can get Daryush, even if you can't get that much money on him, it just feels like Islam should be the favorite in this fight, just not that big. They're both great. They're both absolutely great. Yeah, that's a night where I'd like to be, you know, I, I want to see what the odds are going to be in, um, you know, for method, method to victory or things like that. That'd be fun to go to for sure. But I agree. It also, I, it also feels like Daryush has the opposite end of the magnet that Islam's getting. So the UFC loves promoting him when it comes to Daryush. It's literally been years since he's lost a fight. He's had... I want to say in his last three, four fights, three of them, he's gotten the 50 G's for fight of the night. I mean, he, he, Benil Daryush, I don't know why he's not getting enough love. A guy that's getting plenty of love is Francis Ngannou. We've talked about him a lot during the show. He's going to be taking on Cyril Ghosn. That's the next main event, of course, coming up. So we got the Calvin Cater Giga fight next Saturday. And then a week after that is Ghosn and Ganu. This is the pick'em of all pick'ems. And I try to get people's opinions. Every guest that we've brought on, you can tell, Brendan, I'm trying to figure out who I'm going to eventually bet on because I can't figure this one out myself. I'll look at the training footage. I'll look at the records. I'll look at the relationship they have. I'll look at the coach. Like, I'm trying to break it down the most I can with the microscope. And all I can come up with is I don't think it's going to go the distance but i'm not leaning in any direction as of right now i mean i maybe it goes the distance i mean maybe gone does take it into deep waters maybe that's no. the best safest way to go about it i don't no. know i mean i i'm curious this is one of those two i'm very curious about fight week between the both of them too like 
there's been some, not necessarily bad blood between each other, but the coaches and the former teammates. And I wonder if any of that drama spills over and we have like a kerfuffle at a weigh-in or a press conference or anything like that. But, you know, look, Francis is an absolute monster. You know, and they and they have done this thing before where, you know, you put him in there with a guy with a well-rounded skill set. I think Curtis Blades is in that regard, and he's done, demolished him. Cain Velasquez steamrolled him. We didn't see that, you know, when he went in there against Stipe years ago, the first time that they matched up, he had those troubles. But I think it speaks to Francis that he was able to, to adjust to those and felt like he got to be, uh, I don't know if I would say a much more well-rounded fighter, but even in their second fight, like I think we saw more skill set and was able to neutralize some things and get to what he needs to get to, which is, Hit, hit your opponent with that bomb. Is it a much different power than what God has? I think we all, by the naked, I would say yes. Like when Francis hits you, it's a different kind of danger. Uh, it's just a question of does God have so much footage on the guy? Does God have so much experience with the guy that he knows how to just avoid it? Back to the beef for a second, Brendan, because mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's fabricated. We know their history, of course, at this point. But you're making it sound like come fight week, they're going to go nose to nose, and we're going to see John Jones, DC, and MGM. Like what? Oh, they're not. They're not great. those dudes. And if anything, it's because they're not those dudes that they have to kind of sell this fight. And on top of that, Ngannou is in a really weird situation here. One of the weirdest I can remember in UFC where he's Half of he's currently holding half the UFC championship. So that's yep. one interesting storyline for this. He's fighting a former teammate. That's another interesting thing. He his contract extended naturally if he wins this fight based on the champion's clause. And now he's talking about boxing. Like most of the time when these fights take place, we know what the storyline is for Nganu. Bro, this guy's got a whirlwind going on. Here's the thing though. You say half the championship. If we're being honest about it though. God's championship is garbage. Like I love Derek Lewis and all that type of stuff, but he only got it on a technicality. Like he got to fight it because they said, Hey, Francis fight here. And he goes, ah, can I fight in a month? No, has to be here. What kind of ridiculousness is that? Like the champion, they did that with Tyron Woodley too, where they, they put up an interim title in the middle of the summer when he could have fought in September. Sometimes the UFC does these things to make statements and they make no sense whatsoever. That's one of those cases. I'm not saying God isn't good enough to go out there and win the championship, but in my mind, He's, he's holding the Fugazi belt. Ninganu is the champion. He knocked out Stipe. He's the man. And I think that should stand for something. Like, they're trying to make it seem like, oh, this is champion versus champion. Nah, that's a fake champion. You just made Gon champion because you were mad at Francis. But ultimately, we're going to get to see the fight. Like, it's one thing if we have a fake champion and then for a long time we don't get to see the guy, you know, go toe-to-toe with the guy that's the real champion. They, they're going to take care of this one pretty quick, right? We're talking about a matter of months here. And I think that you're going to be really humming a different tune, my friend, once we see the actual fight. Because a Cyril Gan goes out there and puts Francis Ngannou down early in the first couple of rounds, which I, it sounds like everybody thinks that this is going to go one of two ways. Ngannou's going to win early or Gon's going to win late. And I think that there's, it's just as likely that Gon knocks out Nganu early. That's what's so great about this. Whoever puts his hand on the other guy's chin solid first wins this fight, and there's not much more to it. I'm not to be singing a different tune. I'm still going to say it's ridiculous that you had him fight for a fake belt because a guy couldn't fight in a month. It's silly. Why does he have a championship? It doesn't make sense. Sean, they did it just for, because Dana White was team petty. That's why they made the championship. 
it's BT, cool that he wants to put. Do you want to? Do you want to get into the, uh, how ridiculous is the interim belt situation right now and historically in the UFC? That's going to take another two hours. And I don't. We don't have I don't. But time. I just wanted to be like you, you, you called Francis. You said he's half the championship, but it really like should be like. He's 80% of the championship. Okay, okay. We'll call it 80-20. I'll call it, what'd you call it? Fugazi, give, Fugazi. Yeah. Tomato, tomato. Let's call the whole thing off. I know you brought up the name Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis is taking on Ty Tuivasa. Oh, That's taking fight. place on February 5th. What are the chances of Tuivasa at a plus 164? How's this? An underdog for Countum, Brendan. The one, two, three, fourth fight in a row. He's on a wow, three-fight winning streak. True? All knockouts. Coming in as an underdog again against Derek Lewis. And Derek Lewis is up and down when it comes to being the favorite or the dog. Remember, he came in as a slight dog. He won the last fights. Now he's favored. I hope you're following what I'm saying. What are the chances that Ty Tuivasa is doing a shoey after this fight? Well, this is what I like about Ty more than I would like about Chris Dawkins. Chris Dawkins was taking a leap up. I mean, he was going... He was going basically from the from the minor leagues up to the major leagues. With Ty, Ty's been in there with the best. I mean, he's been in there with some absolute monsters, some absolute veterans. This isn't a this isn't necessarily just a a, a guy who's getting his first chance to show. Yeah, it's been, it, you know it's 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 him. He's going in there at a big pay per view, so maybe there'll be some nerves of some of that. He's going into hostile territory. I don't think it'll affect him. He seems like one of the coolest customers out there. But I don't think this is as as big a leap as Derek Lewis's last opponent. I am a little surprised that Derek takes the fight just from situation that he's in right now. But he's, you know, he he really just he he means what he says. You know, like Mike Bond says, if he says I don't care, I don't care. So we have ourselves a fan favorite fight, and I do think that that's pretty good value for Ty Tuivasa because I think he's talented enough to get it done. As much as it pains me to say that, because I do love me some Derek Lewis. Yeah, because it feels like a pick'em fight. That's I, I remember saying the same thing about the Dawkins Lewis fight. It's in Houston, and remember that didn't work out well in the Gon Lewis fight for the Black Beast. So you have to question the anxiety level and the fans and having to get tickets for the family and all that crap that goes on with it taking place in your backyard. And like you said, it feels almost like Derek Lewis. Yeah, he wants the paycheck, but he's definitely doing a favor to tie Tuivasa. Where if Tuivasa wins this fight, then all of a sudden he's one of the guys that's on the fast track. No doubt. Yeah, he'd be off to the races if he gets this one because you probably think he's going to go from like maybe 11 into the top five if he goes and beats Derek Lewis, especially if he does it impressively, which normally when he wins, he does. Both of them do. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, it's going to be a really, really fun fight. And I'm only bummed that, like, you know, we're only going to get one of the awesome things after this, either, a, you know, a Ty Shuey or a Derek Lewis victory interview. That's the thing that's uh, that's a little bit of a downer, but it doesn't mean that we're not going to get a hell of a fight. Before all these fights go down, next Saturday night, we got Calvin Cater taking on Giga Chikatse, the main event of UFC Fight Night. We just had on Calvin Cater, a really fun guy. He's an underdog coming into this fight at a plus 150. Did you surprise? Were you surprised to see that when the numbers came out? No, because he he he's coming off a loss. Uh, and listen, Max beat him by a very wide margin on those. And, Giga, and, and Giga's a hot name right now too. So I Giga's guess he's a monster. And Giga's a monster. So I'm not surprised. But uh, listen. You know, you come on the show, you you get a uh, you get nothing but my bias. So, you know, go go Calvin. Absolutely, of course, Calvin Cater coming in as I said at about a plus one fifty. You can get Giga at about a minus one ninety right now. Those numbers are going to change before they go out it next Saturday. Coming up next, we're going to tap out here on the BetQL Network, and of course, I'm going to ask Brendan if he's going to fight me. Something tells me the answer is going to be yes, right here on the BetQL Network.